Psalms 58 and verse number 1. The Bible said, You do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation. Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men. Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. You weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ears, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming, charming never so wisely. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away. Like the untimely birth of a woman that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can fill the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in, their, in the blood of the wicked. So that, a man shall ver- so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth. In the earth. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray, God, that you'll give us liberty. Help us these next few moments and speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on justice shall prevail. Justice shall prevail. When you come to this Psalms tonight, Psalms chapter 58, there's really no way of knowing when David penned this psalm. Some believe that David penned this psalm while that uh, many, like many of the psalms that he wrote when he was on the run from uh, from King Saul and Saul was out to get him and, and there was no justice being done in David's life and so therefore uh, it's possible that David could have wrote Psalms 58 then. Then others think that David wrote this psalm at a time whenever uh, Absalom had tried to overthrow the kingdom and uh, David realized that all the lawlessness and injustice that was taking place and uh, the corruption that was there uh, during the time that Absalom had taken over and that David wrote Psalms 58 during that time. I personally believe, although I do not know any more than anyone else, but uh, the third theory of when David wrote Psalms 58 is the one that I most think would best fit this psalm tonight. And it would be right after David became king, after Saul had died and David had ascended to the throne. It was then. And if you read first, if you read Second Samuel, uh, that you realize all David sees all the corruption and the disloyalty and the injustice that is taking place uh, within the land. And a lot like the day that you and I are living in today in America, uh, David had the responsibility of trying to take out those judges that were not just and placing in those justice that would give righteous and just and just judgment. Amen. And you know the Bible tells us that uh, whenever the wicked rule. Uh, Uh, that there is no peace, that there is no righteousness during a time uh, when the wicked rule. And so David uh, could have wrote it at that time. But the truth is, uh, we don't know when he wrote this psalm, but what we do know is that in this psalm, David is talking about the injustice of wicked, corrupt judges in his day and time. He's talking about political corruption. And I do not want to get off on that subject tonight for uh, the sake of time, but we could preach a long time about the political 
moral corruption that has taken place in our land. Amen. We see it every day on the news and in the uh, in the newspapers and, and in the airwaves. Uh, uh, every day we're hearing stories, whether it be a Democrat or Republican tonight, makes no difference. Uh, there's a lot of injustice that is taking place. Well, uh, what David says in Psalms 58 here is in verses 1 through 5. Uh, he tells us in these first five verses here that justice is violated. He says to those judges, do ye indeed speak righteous, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ears, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. And what he is saying here is that whenever you've got a wicked judge or a corrupt judge or a corrupt politician, you cannot expect them to do what is right. Amen? The reason for that is because there's no righteousness in them. Amen? Now, they may be some godly influence around them, and they may have somewhat of a character to listen to some of that counsel and that influence. We see that in the life of several kings, but we also know that there are kings that were so vile and so wicked that all they ever thought about was corruption. Amen? Well, I want to tell you, my friend, that's what happens when the wicked rules, the Bible says. It said even from their birth, from the time that they are born, sin is in their life, and they are like a serpent, a poisonous serpent that cannot be tamed or cannot be charmed. Amen? That's the day we're living in, isn't that right? We're living in a time when it should not surprise us with what we see on the headlines. You've heard me say this many times. The problem with America is not the Washington. It's the church. And tonight, if we got as passionate and as burdened and as upset about our churches as we did our politicians and our government, we would have revival. Brother, people get moved when you start dealing with their retirement, when you start dealing with their pocketbook, when you start dealing with their, their, their liberties and their freedoms. And, and I think there's some justice to that, and we should. But we ought to be more moved uh, when we see the spiritual side of things, the complacency and the apathy and the problems. Uh, I want to tell you that long before there was injustice in politics, uh, there was injustice in the house of God. Amen? When we stopped passing the right judgment and when we started letting our standards and our convictions down and when we started letting everything the world come into our churches you know what happened we lost influence we lost power we lost that savor in this world and the results of that is what we're seeing today amen and so we see here that justice is violated but then we notice something else that justice is visible what David does in verse number 6 down to verse number 9 is he prays a pretty stout prayer concerning these, in, uh, these corrupt justice judges in his day and time you know I think that we ought to remember we're not living under law we're living under grace and we say what do you mean preacher I mean look at verse number 6 we're not to pray for God to break their teeth somebody say amen I've been a few times I want to pray that but it wasn't about politicians I promise you that amen 
But uh, listen, we're not to pray for God to break their teeth. And, and we're not to pray uh, that uh, God would, would, would do uh, violent things to people. Uh, but we are to pray for justice. Isn't that right? We are to pray for God's will to be done. We are to pray for God's way to prevail. And what David is teaching here is the principle. Now, he could pray that under the Old Testament law. And when grace is over with and when the church is taken out, those martyrs in Revelation 6, they pray the way David prayed. But Jesus told us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 5 and even in chapter 7. He taught us to pray. We're to forgive our debtors, amen, as to we're to be forgiven of our own debts, the Bible said. And so we're to pray with grace because we're in the grace dispensation. And I want to say tonight, but David is praying under law. And David was a man of war. And David is saying, dear God, their injustice is visible. And I want to say it is, it is visible today. And David lied likens these people. Notice with me here in verse number uh, verse number 6, he likens them to a disarmed lion. As he says, break out the great teeth of the young lions. You take a lion when no teeth is not near, as harmful as one that has its teeth. And David likens those judges. Uh, he said, God break their teeth. Uh, he likens them in verse number 7 to a drying stream. As he said, let them melt away as waters which run continually. In other words, dry up their corruption. I think that's a good prayer we ought to pray. God would you dry up the corruption in the land. You say Brother Gravely I wish all this corruption would dry up. Well I'll tell you if we can get it cleaned up in a church house I promise you this. Uh, we can get it cleaned up in the White House. Somebody say Man, it'll change Congress. Uh, it'll change our country if we can change our churches. Amen. And he prays, dear God, he prays them as a drying stream. He prays them, my friend, as a destroyed weapon. In verse 7, he said, when he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. An arrow in pieces cannot shoot straight. David is saying, God, everything that they try to do, would you stop it? I think we ought to pray that when we see corruption. I think we ought to pray it in our church, as I've said, as well as in our country. There's times that there's been corruption in the church house. I've said, God, would you put an end to that? I know there's times as a pastor that you have to step in. And I want to tell you something tonight as a pastor. That's the part of pastoring that you, uh, that you have absolutely no desire to ever do. I don't like confrontation. I, I'm willing to deal with confrontation. And I'd rather deal with it sooner as rather deal with it later. Because it only gets bigger. But I don't like confrontation. I like to just go on and do the will of God and reach souls. Uh, and everybody just be happy, you know. And everybody just get along. Uh, and let's just win people to Jesus. And uh, and raise our families and keep a good church. I don't like drama mamas and I don't like all kinds of problems and, and troubles in the church house, amen. I just like to carry on, you know, and just keep on going. But sometimes you have to do that. And then sometimes the problems you see that if they're too big, you say, dear God, right now I'm not going to put my hand to that. But dear God, would you stop that corruption, amen. He'll do it, won't he? I know a pastor has to has to deal with things, but it's a last resort in any situation. And he, he said, put an end to them. He praised them, notice this, as a dissolving snail. In verse number 8, he said, as a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away. You want a snail leaves behind. You ever notice that? Slime. Amen. I don't like to be around slimy people. Somebody say amen. I don't act so spiritual. I mean, do act spiritual, but you know what I'm saying. There's slimy people on the job. Somebody say amen. 
you know, always trying to cut a corner, always trying to get one over on somebody, never trying, just, you know, they work so hard, if they just go to work and work, their life would be a whole lot easier, and everybody else's too, but they're always sliming and slithering their way around, trying to get up that ladder some way, you know, just trying to, well, you know, you can detect them people, and I'm sad to say, they're in politics, uh, there's slimy people in politics, uh, you know, they're lying when their lips are moving, you've heard it said many times, uh, I mean, listen, they'll tell you everything uh, uh, that you want to hear to get your vote uh, and then they won't do anything after they get it. Somebody say amen. They lose their backbone when they get voted in. But I'll tell you the worst kind of slime of all is in the church house. When churches get slimy it gets sickening. Well we got slimy preachers today don't we? So what do you mean? I mean they slither to the pulpit like a serpent. They speak words. The Bible says great swelling words. And, and they got sugar running out both sides of their mouth. And I'm telling you, I like an encouraging message, but they never preach anything positive. They say things like every day's a Friday. Amen. I mean, come on. I know better than that, don't you? Uh, every day's not a Friday. You know that. And listen, uh, they, say, they say things like living your best life now. I mean, you know, they got all these different uh, sunny quotes that make everybody feel good. But what they're really after is your pocketbook. They're really after the number because a number means a dollar, amen. And they're after uh, they're after financial gain and filthy lucre. And they're not in it for the souls of men. They're not in it to help ha- families and homes and and young people. They're in it, my friend, to have a large ministry, to have a big name, uh, to have pats on the back, uh, to have money in their pocket. And there's a lot of slimy preachers today. And there's slimy people in church. Some people, they just love gossip. Is that right? Well, they ought to work for the CIA. Isn't that right? They can dig it out. I don't know how they find it, but they find it. They ought to work for the FBI. They, they, know, they know what's going on faster than, than you can. I mean, I'm amazed sometimes, even as the pastor, how some people can find things out. They, they knew it two weeks before I ever found out. I'm, I'm amazed. I, sometimes I wonder, do they have an inline with Satan? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about slimy. Y'all still out there, aren't you? Hey, man, you get quiet, I'll think you're under conviction. (laughs) I'm talking about they like gossip. They like, well, I don't like gossip in a church. Somebody say amen. I can't stand it. All it does is cause division and, and fussing and arguing or, or bad feelings. And, and they say things like this. Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about such-and-such? Such? Boy, did you know what happened to so-and-so? And just some things I don't want to know. Can I get an amen right there? There's things in people's lives uh, that I think ought to just be kept private. And if they're going through something, if they want me to know, they will tell me. Amen? And if the Lord don't say go talk to them, I'm talking about as a pastor, then I'm not even going to pry in their personal affairs. I'm just going to pray for them. And if they need to talk to me, they'll talk to me. But otherwise, let's just leave it up to God. Amen. But brother, I'm telling you, there's some people, I mean, listen, if they see a trail of slime, they're going to go after it every time. I'm just simply telling you tonight, listen, that's nothing but injustice in a church. I was preaching revival to church years ago. And two ladies, I got late, I didn't make it to prayer room. All the men was in the back praying. I come in late, and so I seen it was just women sitting there. Of course, my wife was with me. And she, I, we went down the aisle, and Brother David, she said about middle ways. I just went up there and sat on the corner. I thought the men would be out in just a moment. And there was two ladies sitting there, and they thought they were whispering. 
They was 100 years old, I think. They thought they was whispering, but both of them's hearing aid must have been turned way down because they were talking as loud as I'm talking. And you know what they was talking about? Voting the preacher out on Sunday. Now, I don't get up and preach on things I hear, but I'm just going to confess tonight. I didn't let that go. Amen? The longer I sat there, the matter I got. I thought these two old biddies are sitting here, and they're just they're planning this whole thing out and talking about it in the house of God. And their poor old pastor's back there praying for revival. I said, Lord, I'm not going to say nothing if you don't want He said, go ahead and hammer it. Amen. Brother, I'm going to tell you, I took a text. I took the text I had, but it was amazing. There was enough in there for me to loot the situation. He said, what would you do? I pulled both barrels back, and I pulled both triggers at the same time, and I didn't point in any other direction. Amen? I pointed right where it needed to be shot. Amen? I'm telling you, friend, uh, isn't that the day that we're living in? Uh, I mean, listen, uh, uh, nobody likes to be around somebody that's slimy. Somebody say amen. You know Sunday morning crowd sure couldn't take this. And then... He talked about them being as a discontinued pregnancy. As he says here, like the untimely birth of a woman that may not see the sun. Talking about those that do injustice. The vision, he visualizes the injustice of them. But then he talks about not only justice is violated and visualized, but thank God in verse number 10 and verse number 11, he tells us that it's vindicated. He said, the righteous shall rejoice. When he seeth the vengeance, he shall wash their feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. What David says here is that in the end, the, right, the judge of this earth will judge right. Amen. In the end, the righteous judge will do what is right. In the end, all the injustice that has been done down through the, the centuries of time, one day, God is going to make every right wrong or every wrong. He's going to make it right. God is going to make every crooked path straight. He's going to fix everything that has been undone. He's going to iron out every wrinkle. He's going to wash out every spot. When he has done, my friend, there will not be a stone left unturned. What that says for you and I tonight is that if we want to be on the right side, we need to get on the side of righteousness. Amen. You and I as Christians tonight, we need to live a righteous life. We need to live a clean life. We need to live a holy life. We need to lead a life that is pleasing unto Him, that honors Him and glorifies Him, that others, when they look at us, they don't see us, but they can see Christ in us because we're living a righteous life. Amen. You see, tonight the world does not care what we say. They care about what they see. Amen. Go one of the most famous quotes of a backslid Christian or a back or a backslid saved person, if they're saved, is well, you know, God looks on the heart. He does. And the outside's a reflection of the inside. And God looks on the heart. But the rest of that verse says this, but man looketh on the outward appearance. Just because man can't see my heart does not give me the liberty to do whatever I want to on the outside. What it means is, is that there's a double responsibility there. There's a responsibility to my God, number one, because He sees the motive of what I'm doing. You see, you could dress right tonight, but if your motive's wrong, God looks on the heart. But you ought to still dress right. Because dressing right, the Bible said, man looketh on the outward appearance. 
You ought to dress right because man looks on the outward appearance. You ought to have a right motive because God looks on the heart. And if your heart's right and your appearance is right, guess, guess what? You'll please God and you can be a good testimony before man. It goes both ways. Amen. It's not a crutch to live and do as you please. It's a good verse that tells us that we have responsibilities in both directions. And that goes about a lot of things in life. What I'm saying tonight is we ought to live a righteous life. And tonight is, uh, as David is looking at Psalms 58, as he talks about justice is going to prevail in the end, he looks at it in the light of three things. I'm going to give them to you and be done. Number one, he looks at it in the light of a past tense. David looks back at his own life. He sees the injustice. Now whether that was uh, the corruption when he took over or whether it was the corruption of Saul himself or whether it was the corruption of his own son Absalom, whichever that was and whatever that was, David knows this much that if things look really bad now and the enemy is doing things right now that he should not be doing and it looks like the enemy is winning and that righteousness is losing but David knows in the end that God is going to reward the righteous so David says I know what I'm going to do I'm just going to keep on doing what is right regardless of what people around me are saying regardless of what they're doing because God will vindicate me in the end somebody say amen right there you know when you go to work if people don't treat you right do right Amen. We should never expect a fair shake from the world anyway. David never got a fair shake from Saul. Isn't that right? Saul would make David all kinds of promises. I'm not going to kill you again. I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to bless you. And he would even use spiritual language. But you know what? That's the way the flesh is. And Saul is a type of the flesh. And the flesh cannot be trusted. And so every time Saul would make David a promise, you know what he would do? He'd never make good on that promise. He'd always go back on it. Amen? He never could keep those promises. You know why? Because the flesh can't keep no promises tonight. Amen? And the world didn't, does not give us a fair trade. The world did not give David a fair trade. Uh, Saul promotes him in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel and then tries to kill him in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel because he promoted him and they praised him. I'm simply saying this tonight. David looks back through his past and says regardless of what comes in the end, God will take care of me. I will say to you young people tonight, I pray that every one of you live for God. I pray that you all Mary in the perfect will of God. Serve Jesus all the days of your life. <clears throat> and that you go to this church, or if you marry off, then you go to a church that is independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James, Bible-believing, old-fashioned, shouting, singing, praising God. Y'all amen in that? Baptist church. Amen? Don't marry off and go to some liberal church, you girls. Amen. Don't go to a contemporary church and don't go to a church where the standards are just not as high. Amen. Amen. And so, but I pray that y'all serve God all the days of your life. But I'll tell you tonight how you need to how you need to face this invitation. Is if everybody in your youth group quits, your friends and everybody else, are you going to serve God? Are you going to do right if everybody does wrong? You know. It's been said oftentimes that there's only one or two or three that ever makes it out of a youth group. The rest quit. They blow out. They, they go different courses. You know, it don't have to be that way. Y'all could set the standard. Y'all could look back and it could be said, yeah, that's true everywhere else. But I, people could say, I know one youth group. I know one youth group where they're all serving Jesus. 
But if it, you, you say, well, how can I do that, preacher? You've got to make your mind up that if everybody around you does wrong, you're going to do what's right. Amen. And then I'll say he not only sees it in the past sense, tense, but he also sees it in the practical tense. You see, what David does is he lays a principle out. And the principle is, is basically what I've already preached. David sees it, but David lays it out. And the principle is, is for others. He, he leads by example. You know, that's so important today, isn't it? That we, the adults, the leaders, that we be the example. It's so important that we don't say one thing to them and do another thing with our own lives. We have to be the example. We have to pay the price. Our young people will never be more spiritual than what we are. Our churches will never be more spiritual than the leadership that's it, the pastor, the deacons, the Sunday school teachers. We're held to a higher standard. Somebody say amen. I don't want to go to a church where a Sunday school teacher don't have the same convictions and standards that, that the pastor and the church upholds. I think it ought to be the same across the board. Somebody say amen. I know there's things that, that we may differ in. I mean, there may be things in the Word of God. I'm not talking about doctrinal issues, but I mean, there's things that, that are open for discussion and open for debate because maybe there's some uh, things that, uh, that, that are, we're not clear on in the Word of God. I'm talking about prophetic things and things that, man, I'm not talking about major doctrine when I say that. There may be some things that maybe in all of our minds we wonder about, but I'll tell you the fundamentals of the faith and the principles of the Bible and the standards of the church ought to be upheld by everybody in the church. They ought to be unity in that. Can I get a witness on that? You say, well, preacher, it's not that way. I know it's not that way, but it ought to be that way. Isn't that right? And I tell you, I want to do my part to uphold it. I want to do my part to, to support what's going on at the house of God. I want to do my part to stand behind those that are doing what is right in this day and time. And I'm saying there's a practical principle here, and that is that we as adults, as leaders of the church, and as leaders of our homes, that we ought to live our life in a way that we live our righteousness in the Word of God. You know, it's one thing to preach it, but it's another thing to live it. A lot of sermons I preach, I'm going to tell you what they are. They're easy preaching and hard living. Because I live in the flesh too. But God help me tonight. I don't want to, I want to live above reproach, don't you? I don't want somebody to follow me with a magnifying glass. You wouldn't get till 9 o'clock in the morning, you'd find fault. Somebody say amen. Is that right? You'd find fault. You wouldn't have to go far behind me to find something wrong. This old wicked flesh, the way it is. I mean, but, but what I'm saying is we can live our life in a way that we don't bring. And I'll stop and say this. We ought not bring reproach on our church. Let me say this too while I'm just on the subject preaching tonight. You know, I think social media has so destroyed us today. People put stuff on social media. I, I, don't, even, I don't look at news feed no more because it just is depressing to me. What people put on social media and they say they're Christians. And then I'll tell you what's as bad as what people post is people that hit like on them things. Can I get an amen right there? They like things and I look at how people's dress and I look at how people act and I look at what they say. You want to find out, hey, you want to find out what people believe? Just go on social media. It'll tell you a word about what's in people's heart. Amen. Brother, people don't live by the standards of the Bible. I'm not going to hit like on something that I'm not going to endorse. Amen? Because that, that's saying that I agree with that. It's what that saying that I like what they did. I like the way they're, they're doing I'm just not going to do that. Amen? And I know that may have struck a nerve tonight, but I'm talking about, hey, we can't live clean enough. Somebody say it, man. We're not going to live too righteous. We're not going to live too holy. You say, preacher, what are you doing? I'm just preaching because I think that the cleaner we live, the more we'll please God. 
God. And the more power we can have. Amen. Not telling you I got it all together tonight. Oh, God knows that. I tell you. But I'm talking about the practical principle. Is there anything in, in, in my life and yours that needs to be cut out tonight? Is there anything in my life and yours that's a distraction, that's a sin, that's, that's a weight in my life? I'll tell you, I, 30 years of being saved. I still battle it, Brother Jack. 30 years of being saved. I still have these things that come up in my life. You say, you're the pastor. I know that, but it's true. This old flesh, it'll stray in a heartbeat, won't it, tonight? There's the practical tense. There's the past tense. And then there's the prophetic tense. You know what he does in this text? David, like any other Jew, he can't take his eyes off that, that millennial horizon. David knows that he's king. He knows that he's going to be king wherever that fits this text. He knows there's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of corruption going on in Jerusalem and, the, and amongst the holy people of God. But David also knows there's a Messiah coming. And David knows that when Messiah comes, the Bible said the government's going to be on his shoulders. The Bible said that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. I'll tell you, one of the great things about the millennial is, my friend, that Jesus is going to be in charge. And there's going to be no injustice. There's nobody's running for election when Jesus takes over. Amen. There's no voting booths. There's no ballot boxes. There's nobody pulling for one side. There's going to be no runoffs. Thank God there's not going to be nobody standing on. There's going to be no lying politicians. There's going to be no unjust judges. There's not going to be no corrupt court decisions anywhere. There's going to be no recounts. Thank God when he takes over, he's going to be large and in charge. And I'm glad, hallelujah, justice will prevail. You hang on long enough. There's coming a time The Bible said holiness Is going to be on the bells of horses And there's going to be a highway Of holiness in the desert And friend it's going to run all the way down Through the gates of that city Through that eastern gate Through the streets of Jerusalem To the throne of David In the city of David Where the Messiah is going to rule And there's going to be holiness On the four corners of this earth And the whole earth is going to be filled With the knowledge of God That means everywhere you go they're going to know it's King Jesus it's King Jesus he's the one that's in charge it's his orders it's his decree it's his world hallelujah and what a world it's going to be there's going to be a day praise God when there's going to be heaven on earth thank God I'm telling you there'll be heaven on earth praise God it'll be safe there'll be no more heartaches and troubles and trials thank God the wicked will not prevail but Christ will be on the throne and it'll be my friend righteousness will cover the land hallelujah the curse is going to be lifted and we shall sing like we have never sung before. You know why we'll sing? Because finally justice will have prevailed. You know the question tonight is this. I can't do anything about Washington. And in reality I can't do nothing about this church. But I tell you where justice can prevail tonight. Right in here. In my heart of hearts. In the secret places of my soul. I can surrender my all to Christ. And justice, before justice prevails anywhere, it have to be here tonight. When you see that Christian that's always happy, always smiling, always full of God, always enjoying being saved, and, and they got that victory, and you say, boy, I want that. I want, you know you can't have that tonight. Where you have that is when you surrender. 
And you say, Lord, I want you to prevail in my soul. Tonight as we stand.